You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals we have here in the United States. This is episode 109 of American Sex Podcast, and I am Sunny Megatron. My awesome co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg, who you'll be hearing from in just a few minutes. We're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts, too. So this week, we are talking with Shauna Germain, who claims the titles of writer editor, bisexual brain licker, Schrodinger's brat, and princess of a thousand enemies. Her poems, essays, short stories, novellas, and articles have found homes in places like Absinthe Literary Review, Best American Erotica, Best Lesbian Erotica, Best Bondage Erotica, Best Gay Romance, Curve Magazine, and Salon. Shauna is also the co-owner of Monty Cook Games, where she works on games like Numenera, No Thank You Evil, Predation, and more. Now there's a saying that if you make a Venn diagram of kinksters and gamers, there'd be some pretty big overlap. You know, there's a lot of kinky gamers, but not all gamers are kinky. And not all kinksters are gamers. And it turns out these two groups can learn a ton of valuable information from each other, especially along the lines of things like communication, negotiation, consent, and even aftercare. In this conversation with Shauna Germain, we talk about how to facilitate consent and gaming. And she has some great answers for those folks who will respond with, What do you mean consent and gaming? If you can't handle blood, guts, gore, violence, whatever, then you know what? Don't play games. We talk about misogyny in the gaming world and how cis white men have influenced the culture and also the myth that they've influenced the culture because they're the majority in that culture. We get into diversity in gaming, you know, who's doing it and why companies that say they would love to change things, but they just lose sales catering to a small minority are absolutely full of it. Shauna gives tips and guidelines to gamers that want to consensually include more adult themes in their games and for sex positive folks that want to give gaming a try, but don't know where to start. Shauna also talks about the many fantasy erotica books she's authored. Plus, we learn about what cozy games are, you know, games that facilitate emotional intimacy, vulnerability, and sexy times between consenting adults. This is a good one. I love this conversation. But quickly, before we get to the interview with Shauna, she gave all of our amazing American fuckers an amazing gift. It's $5 off in the Monty Cook Game Store that's at montycookgames.com slash store. All you have to do is use the coupon code American Sex Podcast. But there's something even cooler about this code. So this is the tip. Good tip. There's a lot of stuff in the Monty Cook Game Store that's under $5. 
One of those things, one of many, is love and sex in the ninth world. So anything that's under $5, you can get absolutely free using that code American Sex Podcast. Free stuff. Go get it. Seriously. Amazing. Now, secondly, y'all know what time it is, right? It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. Oh, yes, that little jingle means that our Patreon family is growing. I want to give a big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Joe for becoming an American Sex Podcast Patreon supporter this past week. I also want to shout out Dustin for bumping up your membership to a higher level. You know, we appreciate you all so much and we couldn't do this podcast without you. So thank you. And if you're listening along and you're curious about Patreon, find out more about membership at patreon.com slash American sex. Not only does your membership help support this show, but you get lots of awesome perks too, like bonus stories from our guests, extra full length episodes, all of our regular episodes early, you get American sex podcast stickers in the mail, a shout out like this right on the podcast, other random surprises and a lot more. All right, American fuckers, are you ready? Okay, get out that dice bag. Polish off those 20-sided dice. Roll for initiative. Wait, who has detect magic? All right, because I'm certain you're going to detect a lot of magic in this conversation with Shauna Germain. I know that was so cheesy. That was the biggest dad joke ever. I'm not even a dad. Maybe I am. You can call me daddy, but just you American fuckers, because I like you. This is the first opportunity that Sonny and I have had to discuss two of our major loves in our social life, which is both sexuality and gaming, not necessarily mixed together. Uh, and there's but not lo- necessarily not mixed not necessarily together. not mixed together me, too. We know. did we did host a D and D in the dungeon event at yes, one point, and yes. I think that that would be appreciated by our guest today, Shauna Germain. Shauna, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. So we have so much stuff that we would like to talk to you about. But before we do any of that, please tell our, our, we call our audience American fuckers. Please tell the American fuckers who you are and what it is that you do. (laughs) Uh, I'm Shauna Germain. I I do a little bit of everything, which is how I like to live my life. But I uh, mainly am the co-owner of Monty Cook Games. We make role-playing games. And I am a writer. Uh, I've written nonfiction books and novels and short stories and poems and essays and just sort of anything that has to do with words. I like to be involved in it. That is just awesome. Now, the, the there was one reason more than any other that we wanted to have you on the podcast today. Consent is something that I think those of us who are involved in BDSM and kink uh, use a lot in our day-to-day practice. We, you know, try to talk about it a lot. We we talk about consent theory, and I had never considered bringing it to my gaming. Now, Sonny and I, I've been a gamer since 1978, so I'm going up on 41 years. Uh, the guy that taught me how to play, I actually own a piece of Dungeons and Dragons history. Uh, the guy that taught me how to play was the witness, uh, the expert witness in the um, Egbert trial from uh, Michigan State University that the movie Mazes and Monsters was based on. And I've actually oh, wow. got the copy of Eldritch Wizardry, which was the defendant's copy from that case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not only old, I'm like been gaming for <laughs> a bazillion and 32 years. 
Um, and in that time, uh, white men, specifically cis white men, have uh, had a lot of influence, and not just in the world, but in gaming culture specifically. So there was a lot of things that would never affect us that were brought up in gaming from the time I was 10 years old. Subjects like uh, murder, rape, disease, gore, like all of these things. And I had never thought twice because I'm not somebody who would necessarily be um, affected by some of the stuff we were talking about. But at that time, I felt comfortable talking about it. And in retrospect, what a dick move that was. Uh, Because consent is something that has to be on everybody's part. So can you tell us a little bit about like what you guys have done with consent and gaming? Yeah, of course. You know, it's sort of interesting because it started for us with uh, our kids game, which is called No Thank You Evil. And it's designed specifically for very young children, like as young as four. Uh, We have some kids who are as young as two who are playing, but they're not really playing. They're uh, they're just rolling the dice and having fun. And um, in that game, we incorporated something called, that was is just called the No Thank You Evil token or the No Thank You Evil rule, which basically means that in that game, if a kid decides that anything is too scary or they're nervous or they don't like the way things are going, they can just say, no thank you, evil, and the game changes. Um, and it's very similar to something that called the X card that some people use in gaming. Uh, and so we've, we've always had consent sort of as being part of our play uh, because games should be super fun. And if you are sitting at a table and you are actually scared in a way that you don't want to be scared, you should have an easy out for that without it, without having to sit there, without having to leave the group or, or anything like that. And so um, more recently, we were putting together a book called Stay Alive, which is this uh, really wonderful, I just finished proofing it, and it's very cool, uh, book about horror games and how to play in horror games. And as we were working on that, the the lead game designer, Sean Reynolds, had a big section on consent uh, because horror in particular has all kinds of things that people might be squeamish about or they might be uncomfortable with that brings up issues. And so as we were talking about that, we were like, you know, this would make a great thing to incorporate into a free PDF and give away uh, to anyone who wants it because it's such a useful tool. Um, and so I think it was about a month ago. Uh, that's what we did. We we turned it into a free product. Anyone can download it. It has a consent checklist. Uh, it talks about how to make sure everybody's on board, what to do if there's problems or someone oversteps boundaries, a little bit of aftercare stuff, which probably all sounds familiar to those of us in the BDSM community as well. Um, and so it, it sort of just evolved out of wanting to make sure people were comfortable at the table. So that that brings up one big question for me. I was actually talking with our youngest daughter about you, and I showed her the consent list and the information that you guys had on the PDF. And one of the questions that both of us had is, if we're playing a horror game, because we're big Call of Cthulhu fans, if we're playing mm-hmm. a game like that, how do you eliminate gore from that sort of game? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, and I think it, it's it it can you can do fade to black, right, where you are. Um, making where you are doing gore and, and implying gore, but not necessarily having gore on the page because there's levels to everything. And and I think that traditionally we think about sex and we think about murder like that, right? You can say, okay, you killed him, or you can go into deep details about what the knife does and what the blood looks like. And so I think that there are just sort of there are varying levels of how. Uh, intricate and deep and graphic you want to go. And so understanding sort of everyone's levels. Um, and if someone wants more description, it's easy enough to write that up and give it to that particular person so that they have that information, but no one else has to 
sort of sit through it if they don't want to. Um, people can also leave the room for a vivid description that's going to make them uncomfortable and just get the roundup. So I think there's lots of ways to do it. It's a little harder if you are doing it at a convention or something where you don't know people and, um, you know, but in a, particularly if you're in a game group that you know well, you can kind of know everyone's limits and, and work around them pretty easily. Yeah. Oops, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sonny. Okay, so in the gaming community, um, you know, we had talked about there's a lot of misogyny, you know, it's it's very male focused. And I am imagining that when you started coming up with all of this, that you came up against quite a few people that were probably like, come on, you know, horror <laughs> is about the gore in the guts. If you can't handle it, don't play the game. Why are you censoring us? Da 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 da. A, did you hear that? And I think I know what your answer is going to be. And B, <laughs> what do you respond to, to comments like that? You know, like it's that? funny. It's, it's, it's almost like you read my email. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of thoughts about that, right? One is that our culture isn't good at talking about things like sex and gore and death, right? And so because sex and death um, in particular, like, like in in RPGs, death, everybody dies, right? Everybody kills everybody. I mean, the whole goal of so many games is murder. And so we have incorporated this into our culture that that's totally normal, that you just go around murdering each other, but God forbid you have sex with each other. And so there's this weird, just like in movies and everything, there's just this weird dichotomy that's happening. And so I do think that when you start talking about like, is it okay to go around and murder everyone in your game? Is it okay to have sex with people in your game? You know, is it okay to talk about these topics? People who haven't asked those questions get really defensive and they feel very backed into a corner because it's something that they love. And so when you're, you know, when you, if you're not someone who's used to thinking critically about your actions or your choices, and someone is like, you should think critically about this, I think people's first reactions are always to lash out and feel cornered and feel trapped. And so, you know, there's a lot of that, um, of that, this is how we do it, we don't want to change. Um, and I think, you know, we, I don't want to talk politics too much, but we live in a culture where we aren't, uh, we aren't willing to sort of have a lot of empathy for each other. Um, and, and that's also part of the problem, I think, is that people don't understand that other people, you know, can be, can be upset by something and still want to play a horror game. Um, you know, I mean, does the dog die is a, is an actual website for people who don't want to watch movies where the dog dies, but they love all kinds of other horror. Um, and so I think I, I, my internal response is to try to have, is try try to understand, you know, sort of know thine enemy, <laughs> um, and because I think that makes me a better um, ally and it makes me a better person to make progress. Because the goal is progress. The goal is not to spend my time fighting with trolls and and people who uh, aren't gonna aren't gonna meet me halfway by thinking critically about their own actions and beliefs. And so I I don't actually respond to the majority of them um, because it's because there's. There's so much a desire to sort of start a fight. They don't actually want to change their thinking pattern, at least not from someone like me, because I think I, I also make a lot of people uncomfortable. I also got a lot of comments about how, you know, clearly I'm this kind of person because I write about BDSM and how, you know, I just want to make the game industry into one B BDSM dungeon. And so like, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of fear about women who are. Uh, confident in their sexuality and confident in their beliefs. And so I think um, I think that also comes out. So mostly I just take it as information about the way in which the culture is changing. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. You know, I was just laughing because six years ago, I wrote a big piece for Penthouse about slut walks. And I was thinking about how like, 
that was like six years ago we were having slut walks and now we're having like Nazi walks and like <laughs> the way in the world is changing is just so fascinating to me. Um, and so, you know, I just try to keep abreast of it and use it as fuel. That was a very long answer. No, Sorry. no, no. That, and, and that was perfect. It's just interesting to me that the gaming industry as a whole um, with titans like yourself, Monty Cook, uh, Sean Reynolds, Eric Mona, all kind of being on the same page with this stuff. And one of the things that struck me, and I and I and I doubt you've probably read this since you wrote it, but uh, and, and I don't know for a fact that you wrote it or Monty did or or who did, but your uh, mission statement of your core values at Monty Cook Games. I'm going to read that to the oh, audience nice. real quick because it's so fucking cool. Um, <laughs> our core values at MCG have always included acceptance and inclusion in our products, in the events we support, and in the gaming spaces we strive to create. We welcome people from all walks of life, all genders and orientations, all religions and cultures, and all ethnicities. We support the civil liberties of all people and manifest that support in our own small way, through the fun and imagination of games. But now we find that we must add to those core values, we must add truth. Although fantasy is our business, we recognize that we can't be good stewards of that business if we make decisions based on fantasy. Our employees, our families, our Kickstarter backers, our fans, and our future all depend on vision and aspiration built upon a foundation of fact. To this end, we look to leadership that bases its decisions on facts and the sharing of information. And if that leadership is not available, we step up our efforts to champion the cause ourselves, to deliver the products we promise, and to continue to be true to our core values. But we can't tolerate playing fast and loose with reality. We will do our best to promote acceptance, inclusion, and truth in all aspects of our business, and we will work for those values in our community. And that was signed by Monty, Shauna, and uh, Charles Ryan, the owners of Monty Cook Games. I'm going to stand up and give the slow clap. Damn. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we dream big. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so that that's just fucking incredible that you guys are some of the first folks that had come around and included, you know, everything, you know, you've been trans inclusionary. Um, you've, you know, you've done stuff with, you know, people with other, you know, with, with multiple religions and lack of religions. Um, you know, and it seems as though you guys are thinking outside the box to make games fun for everyone. And at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. I think who wrote that, who like, was that a, a collaboration of all three of you or, you know, it was a collaboration with the three of us and the rest of our team. We're a pretty flat, structured company, um, and so we try to give everyone as much say and as much input as possible. Um, and we want—we truly believe in leading with our values, and we're we're people for whom, like, why do a thing if it's not making the world better and more awesome and isn't in line with our values? And so, like, like the three of us wrote that, but but we had a lot of input from the rest of our team. Um, and you know, I think. It, it is something that I'm really proud of our company that we do is that because we're creative driven, because we like, like, it's interesting because when people sort of come after us on the internet, which happens quite a lot, um, you know, the, the way in which they come after us is, well, we're not going to buy your products anymore because you included X, Y, or Z. And, you know, we're a company that cares about value more than money. I mean, we want to pay all of our employees and give them 401ks and health insurance. But beyond that, our values matter more than our money. So coming after us and saying that they're not, people aren't going to give us money anymore doesn't actually 
affect us the way that people might think that it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually super proud of that. Like I want, um, I want our values to always be our driver in, in what we make and how we move through the world and just sort of how we listen and, and learn and act. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about that's what I hear from a lot of companies and not just in the gaming sector, any company, you know, they say, mm-hmm. sure, we want to do the thing that's ethically and morally right. However, capitalism, and you know, we're going to piss off more people than that, you know, we're catering to a small minority. And that is going to piss off more of our customers, it's going to affect our bottom line. So even though we want to be ethical, you know, capitalism. Um, but y- y- y'all are still standing, you're still I mean, <laughs> does it do, does it really affect your bottom line? You know, I think that that's interesting, because the idea, first of all, that 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 what we're talking about is a minority is totally wrong, right? We know that the world is not like like white cis hetero males are not the majority when we look at numbers, right? And they're certainly not the majority in in gaming, even though they are the most vocal and the most present. Like when you combine all of the other people that we are supporting, like those numbers are big. And so even if you know, even if it did affect our bottom line that some people weren't going to buy our products, like the crowd that we are supporting and interacting with is is big and it's getting bigger and there's allies. And so I think that that there is a it's a misconception too when people say, "Well, you're just catering to the minority," because you know what? They're not we're, we're not the minority anymore. Wow, that's a really good point. And just to put this into perspective for those of you who aren't like tabletop role playing gamers, in the gaming industry, all of tabletop role playing I think is a little under one percent of the total business. Does that sound about right? Oh, yeah, I don't know, but it is pretty small, particularly when you look at like computer games and board games. Um, I don't know how Kickstarter has changed that because uh, RPGs do really well on Kickstarters, but it is a very small percentage. Mm. I mean, so it does make a difference to your bottom line. And one of the things, at least anecdotally, that I'm noticing is that there's a lot more women and a lot more people of color and a lot more people with um, a spectrum of genders and you know sexual identification, like coming out and loving all of the different role-playing games. Uh, and it's just happening more and more and more. Like I'm seeing it anecdotally at every convention that I go to at like the local gaming stores that I go to. I mean, our own gaming group, like the majority of the the people there are women and people of color for the most part. And I think it surprises a lot of people that maybe gamed in like 19, you know, 88. And then they're maybe coming back to it now seeing that like not only are there women, but there's, you know, a representation of everybody across the board. Yeah. And do do you see that? Uh, or do you have any actual, you know, more than anecdotal information? Yeah, I think that, I think that there's, there's a couple of things happening there, which is in both of, both, all of them are great. One is that we are seeing more diversity at, at conventions, at gaming events, uh, it, as game designers, right? Owning companies, part of, part of that is thanks to Kickstarter, part of it's thanks to like being able to create a PDF and put it on drive through, which is a big place for PDF sales. And so I do think that we're seeing more and more diversity within gaming. Um, and and par- a huge part of that is is organizations and conventions and companies that are creating spaces for that, right? That are making room at the table, that are helping people get through the door, like all of the stuff that's really, really important for visibility. Um, the other side of that is I think that probably not in as big of numbers, but I do think that uh, people of all genders and, and a huge number of women and people of color have always been gaming. But th- 
they have done it privately because they didn't they they didn't feel welcome at conventions or they didn't feel welcome at game events or you know they didn't know how to get into the door of making their own games and so like when you talk to people it, there does seem to be this really interesting split where, like, I think when you talk to a lot of of, of men who who've gamed a long time, they gamed with other men, and so they sort of th- think that that was the industry. But when you talk to women and people of color and people of all genders, you know, th- they talk about their groups being heavily similar to themselves, right? They had a lot of women, or they had a lot of people of color, and so I think it's it's also a perception thing. Um, so the numbers are growing and the perception of the numbers are growing and both of those are great. That is just awesome. And it, and it's so good to finally hear that. So one of the things that we do is we do a lot of heavy prep before we interview a guest and holy shit, have you written a lot of stuff? Um, so <laughs> I, I thought I was just going to be checking gaming stuff and then I'm seeing anthology after anthology where you, you know, you're included in uh, like other, you know, great folks that we know, like, uh, uh, Celia Tan, we've got um, mm-hmm. Rachel Kramer Brussel, yourself, um, just all sorts of folks. But one work in particular I wanted to talk about was your guide, uh, as kinky as you want to be, your guide to safe, sane, and smart BDSM. So tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, you know, I think so. Here's a, I was um, the, sort of part of the impetus for that book was I was thinking a lot about the BDSM community and. I am super introverted and I'm super shy and I don't like big groups. And I was thinking, well, how do you learn about BDSM? How do you interact with the community? How do you find people? How do you know the language? If, if you know, those kinds of things aren't your scene, right? And so uh, the internet was out there, of course. And there's, but I was also thinking like, how great would it be to have this guide that you could sort of read on your own in the privacy of your own home and learn a lot about what, what you need to know and what it's like and have it be super accepting and welcoming and and empowering. So I don't know if I achieved all those things, but that was certainly my goal was um, to make something sort of for people like me, right? People who are curious and want to know things um, and want to feel more comfortable when they step into those spaces, if they haven't yet, or, or more comfortable even if they have. And so I really wanted to write something that was a guide, but it was really informal and, and, um, kind of just sort of me chatting at people about what that is. And then I, I got the opportunity to work with some fantastic writers who re- who included some fiction to sort of give people like, here's a cool idea <laughs> that you might want to try. Um, and so, yeah, it was really fun to write and it was really personal. And um, boy, it feels like it was forever ago. So <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny, you know, you finish a book and you're like, oh, yeah, I did write that thing, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Now, it, it's interesting to me because the way I look at BDSM is sort of through the lens of gaming in a way. Um, I, I just gave a talk. I was at the Firewoman retreat, Amy Jo Goddard's retreat. Oh, and I gave a talk about and I and I, I was actually amazed because I was seeing people's minds being blown as I was talking. (laughs) And, you know, I tie in play theory and the neuroscience of play into BDSM and how they're really similar, you know, whether you're a tabletop gamer, whether you, you know, I don't know, go play bridge, or, you know, you're on a bowling table, or whatever it is, or whatever your flavor of play is, they're, they're very, very similar. And, when I look at 
the BDSM community, I don't necessarily see people that strictly consider themselves kinksters to be like, yeah, I'm gaming. But when I go to places like Gen Con, <laughs> which is the biggest gaming convention, you know, that, that takes place every summer in Indianapolis, uh, it's like Gen Con after dark, everyone's getting king. It's like the gamers know. So tell me about the crossover between gaming and kink, because there's a there's a, at least from what I've observed, there's a huge one. So can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it, and it's so funny because it seems so obvious, right? Like we we're talking about dungeons and play and role play and cosplay, right? The language is all there. Um, so it sort of seems like one of those obvious things, but at the same time, like I think I think it's interesting to watch how like the transition too, because like for a while, like like BDSM was sort of more accepted. And I think, you know, that happened with sort of the popularity of some books and and movies and stuff. But then gaming is becoming more accepted and and sort of sex is now kind of in a weird place because of our culture. And, and so like, it's interesting to see the rise and fall of what's kind of okay in our culture, uh, sort of generally speaking. Um, And so the thing that I find really amazing is that you know, I'm in this interesting crux where, uh, you know, I'm very open and very out about both being a gamer and being someone who writes about sex and talks about sex and, and you know, is kinky and all these things. And so I'm, I'm, I'm often delighted at the people who, you know, come to me at Gen Con and they sort of, they have one of my gaming books and then they sort of surreptitiously also have one of my, <laughs> books. They're like, this one's my favorite. Would you, would you also be willing to sign this? Um, and, and so I think like, I think one of the things that is true about sex is that so we're often just waiting for someone to open the door for us where we can talk about it realistically and in a way that's not sort of teehee and and weird and uncomfortable. And so like that's one of the things that I try to do is just to be like, here's what I'm talking about now. And, you know, it's everything from like, the fact that I'm, I'm in my life and I'm, I'm entering menopause, right? And what that means, because we don't talk about that either. <laughs> and so, like, I want to be one of those people that makes everyone know it's okay to talk about all those things. And so I, mean, I feel like I'm in this lovely crux where people can come to me about that. Um, and I also did this talk with Susie Bright. She has a podcast also, like, but this was a long, long time ago about the crossover in t- uh, uh, computer games mm-hmm. and kink, because there's also a huge crossover there. And I didn't realize that until I, I was a, I was a huge EQ2 player, which is oh my god, me too. MMO. <laughs> I was I was a druid. I was a druid were hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I love turning into bees on that game. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I miss that game very I do much. Too. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I, I ran a guild there, and it was a very open guild. And when people just sort of discovered who I was and what I wrote about, like I had these. People, like so many people were coming to me being like, can I ask you about anal sex? Can I ask you about this thing that I am interested in but don't know where to learn? And and that was the first time I had this understanding that like, oh, right, people are people are going to games to try on different personalities and try on different roles and try on different relationships. And it was the first time that I started to understand, okay, like I'm not the only one who has both of these sort of elements of my personality that are crossing over. There are people everywhere. Um, and so that was like a big eye-opening experience for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, on a personal note, I wanted to, to ask you a question, if it's okay. Um, uh, the book of erotic fantasy, I know you didn't have anything to do with it specifically. Have you ever gamed using it? Oh, uh, the RPG game. Uh, I have not. Um, I have read it because I think it's important to read as much as you can get your oh, hands yeah. on. Um, and I think, I, I feel like... I could be wrong, but I do feel like someone somewhere was talking about doing a new version of that. 
and I don't know if they ever Oh, boy, did. I hope uh-huh. they do, because that's like third edition. So back up and explain. Oh, what I'm is so sorry. The Book okay. of Erotic Sorry, we're, we're doing geek speak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so The Book of Erotic Fantasy is by um, Gwendolyn F.M. Kestrel and Duncan Scott. And it was, a I want to say, a supplement to third or 3.5 Dungeons & Dragons, where you could be a um, somebody who specializes in sex magic. They had magic nipple rings. They had right. branding and tattoos. They had sec- they had gestation periods for gnomes and like fecundity rates for orcs, so that you could find how long it would take an orc to have a litter or half orc to have a litter of of children and things like that. So there was things on STIs. There were spells that you could use to give people STIs. Uh, it, it was just, there was a lot of different stuff, everything from classes, uh, races, uh, like things about sex. It's all things with sex and sexuality. And I never found a good way to use it. Unfortunately, I think we might've done one or two games that were all adults. Um, but it, uh, it's, it's an interesting side note if nothing else. It is interesting. We actually wrote, I actually wrote a, a PDF manuscript called Love and Sex in the Ninth World that is all about um, love and sex in games and offers a lot of advice on how to bring that into your game and how to do it in ways that are, you know, true to your characters and true to the storyline. And, and, you know, it also has magical objects that are fun and like really lovely lubes and that are magic and technology. And, um, oh, that's brilliant. And, and, and it's, I, it's really designed to be a guide to using sex and love in any game because it, like you're saying, like it's hard to, I do think it's hard to include that in games, um, partly because of how we started talking about the consent issue, right? Like, is everybody comfortable with it? Do you fade to black? What are the rules? What are the parameters? Um, but also because like we just don't have as much experience with it, right? We put murder in our games all the time, but we don't put sex in our games. And I think that, that not having a culture uh, built in where we do that does mean it's kind of a hurdle. I think people have a hard time figuring out how to do that for the most part. Yeah, I mean, even just inclu- being inclusive of non-monogamy, I don't think I've ever seen it done except for like by a handful of people that you know would insist that they had multiple partners for their character. Like it's like even something as benign as that just isn't included in the game. Yeah, we build that into our settings a lot because why not, right? I mean, we, why assume that, you know, for example, Numenera, which is our setting that's a billion years in the future, and like we did all the research and we know what a billion years in the future would look like on Earth and stuff, and that was really fun. But we also know that a billion years in, in the future, like monogamy is probably not going to be a thing. <laughs> um, and so it's a great opportunity. I mean, you know, if you're building fantasy worlds, why not build fantasy worlds? It's interesting to me the things that people keep um, when they're building worlds from the ground up. It's like they don't even question whether, you know, some something that's built on some ancient religion that exists in our modern world, like they don't go back and look at the reason that, you know, things like monogamy exist in our world and why they wouldn't in some other fantasy or second world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm putting myself in the mind of the listener who maybe is a, you know, a traditional male uh, gamer or maybe dungeon master who's listening going, yeah, hey, yeah, how come we do talk about murder and we don't talk about sex? I want to put some sex in my games. And it's like, oh, hold on, slow down there, partner. Um, You need a little guidance and, you know, so what? Uh, resources would you suggest for people that are in that position? Like, hey, I want to look more into this. So they have some parameters about consent and what to include and what's too much and what isn't and, and all that stuff. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, so there's a lot of what are called safety tools. So you could look up, you could just do a quick search on safety tools in, in RPGs or games, and you could come up with a bunch of things um, like the X card, which I mentioned earlier. And there's also things that a lot of uh, gamers use that they've taken from LARP. So things like um, where you like, you can use break where you sort of slow down the action to uh, give everybody a chance to kind of recoup and things. Oh, like really that. quick. Explain to the um, audience what a LARP is. Oh, sorry. LARP stands for live action role play. And so it's basically sort of taking tabletop gaming to the next level where you, uh, you know, you wear cosplay costumes and you have weapons and you sort of um, enact kind of a scene or a story uh, together with a bunch of other people who have agreed to do that. And because you're so, those are physical um, and often very emotional, they have a lot of safety mechanisms for like making sure that no one is uncomfortable. And it, they include things like, can you touch someone else? How hard can you hit them with a thing, right? Like, so um, so they have a lot of rules that uh, can be sort of streamlined into tabletop gaming. Um, and then of course we wrote consent in gaming, which I think is really useful and touches on sex. Uh, Love and Sex in the Ninth World is, is another resource that I worked on. Um, I also think that there are, like, I think that, that reading books about sex outside of gaming can be really useful. There's a lot of great resources out there that are nonfiction books about sex, about talking about sex, um, just about generally, like, doing it in a way that's that's comfortable and and adult-like. Because sometimes, you know, when sex happens at the gaming table... It gets very sort of, you suddenly have a bunch of 12 year olds sitting around because people are uncomfortable. And like, there's nothing wrong with that if that's the, the sort of atmosphere that you want. Um, but a lot of times, you know, it's, it, you're making people uncomfortable because you are uncomfortable. Like I can actually, this is a weird example, but I was giving a presentation on, uh, on sex and gaming at an event and the person introducing me was clearly so uncomfortable talking about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was trying to sort of be funny and he just made everyone in the audience uncomfortable. And like, it was just, it was kind of painful to watch. And so I think that like, even just saying something like, Hey, you know, we're going to, we've all decided we want to introduce this element in our game. Like we might be uncomfortable and that's okay. Like we're going to do it together and we're going to find our way through it. And so, you know, it it all kind of comes back to learning and communication. Here on American Sex Podcast, we always encourage you to treat your body right when it comes to sex. But what about treating your body right outside of the bedroom? Have you ever thought critically about your deodorant? Many popular brands contain very questionable ingredients. Well, the folks at Native have created a safe, simple, effective deodorant that's formulated without aluminum, parabens, or talc. And I know what you're thinking. You know, hey, the concept of a natural deodorant sounds great, but in reality, none of them actually work, right? Well, wrong. Native delivers. I've been using Native for a while now, and it has exceeded all of my expectations. There's a reason they've been talked up on the Today Show, in Elle magazine, and have over 9,000 five-star reviews. I really, really dig that Native deodorant is so safe for my body. Another cool thing is Native has a wide variety of yummy, masculine, and feminine scents. My personal favorites are coconut and cucumber and mint. And yeah, they have unscented and baking soda-free formulas too. Native is my new go-to deodorant, and I want you to try it too. For 20% off your first purchase, I want you to visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code SUNNY during checkout. 
Again, head on over to nativedeodorant.com and use promo code S-U-N-N-Y for 20% off your first order. We all have our nightly routines, right? What's yours? You know, maybe you watch some TV or put on a face mask or scroll through social media trying to avoid all the drama but always diving right into it. But if your me time routine has gotten a little stale, Dipsy Stories can help you re-spark your imagination. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions designed to turn you on. Each story is created with women in mind. They're relatable and immersive. And there's something for everyone, whether you're into men, women, you know, maybe a little of both at the same time. Find stories about strangers meeting on the beach in Mexico or seeing that ex that you just can't stop thinking about every time you're on the subway or a partner who wants to up the ante in the bedroom or the kitchen or the garage or, I don't know, the Target dressing room. Who the heck knows? Dipsy's guided sessions can help unlock new confidence or heighten intimacy with a partner. They add three brand new stories every week, so you'll always have more to explore. Whatever you're in the mood for, Dipsy always keeps it real and really, really hot. For listeners of American Sex Podcast, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny. That's a 30-day free trial by going to D-I-P-S-E-A-Stories.com slash S-U-N-N-Y. Go ahead and do it. Put your pleasure first at DipsyStories.com slash Sunny. Have you ever taught gaming at a sex convention? Oh, no, but I would love I, to. We will, be, we will be putting you in touch with that. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think that would be. Super I mean, fun. there really does need to be more crossover. You know, L- like I said before, I think that gamers get it, but I think a lot of people who are more in the BDSM world, I'm, I'm like, I'm just detecting that as people are listening right now, there are minds being blown. Especially when you talked about LARPing, you know, the live action role play for those who haven't heard of it, who are kinky. I'm sure that all nice. their synapses in their brain were like, oh my god, I can what? There's a what? Like this would be great to like, you know, set some role plays in, in a sex scenario and god there's so much crossover and i i just think a lot of us you know we we don't realize the other world exists and and for me you know with bdsm because it you know you were saying like a lot of people make it weird and really my motto is like it's only weird if you make it weird like don't make it weird um and (laughs) (laughs) if we just like put that aside and all talk to each other God, we could learn so much from each other and really enhance our gaming and enhance our sex. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be a change in the whole world? Oh, gosh, yes. (laughs) And for those of you who are uh, like, and I know a lot of folks are going to be downloading the consent and gaming sheet. It actually, I consider it being in two parts, which the first part is that first, like, what, nine, ten pages of introduction that talks about things like, compare the game to a movie rating or there's like different ways Mm -hmm. to do it. And you talk about the X card and you talk about a couple of other techniques on how to include things. If perhaps you forgot them. Now, for those of you who are familiar with a yes, no, maybe list, that's kind of what 
the consent sheet is. And I really wanted to thank you because I'm colorblind and you not only put what the colors are, you put shapes next to the yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> and I actually noticed that because I want to say it's like a square, um, a pentagon and a triangle. Ah. Yes, that's correct. We learned that when we worked on No Thank You Evil because we wanted it to be accessible for kids who couldn't read and or had trouble reading and kids who were colorblind or had trouble just with sort of with colors in general. And so we started doing shapes and colors because it just, it doesn't take any extra work and it seems like it it makes things much easier for lots of people and what a great idea for a game by the way like that's just genius you didn't try to dumb down D. instead you made it like a, a role-playing game that was fantastic for little kids without having and, and i believe you can put any kind of scenario into that can you talk a little bit about that game sure um so no thank you evil is yes it's it's basically um we did a lot of research on like how high can kids count before they get bored <laughs> and um and how many tokens like how many like what's tactilely you know what's what's a good tactile presence in terms of like the size of the dice for kids for small hands and and uh, you know, we made tokens that were smooth around the edges for kids who have tactile issues with things that are rough. And so we did a lot of research into the sort of accessibility portion. We used fonts that are, it, it's hard to know exactly what's a good font for people who have dyslexia, but we we tried our best to find ones that certainly didn't make it harder. Um, and so then on top of that, we, so we decided like, we've only got, we call it competing with puppies. And so like, if there are puppies in the room and the kids are playing this game, what, how simple can we make it and how much fun so that they don't get distracted by the puppies? That was our goal. <laughs> 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 um, and so we, yeah, so you roll just one uh, six-sided dice and you have a couple of pools, like how strong you are, how smart you are. And then there's an awesome pool that you can use, like if you want to help your friend uh, succeed, because we we know that kids really struggle with failure and so failing uh, like when you roll a dice and you try to hit a monster and you fail or uh, that's really hard but we realized that if we gave the friend an opportunity to be like here you can try again i'm going to help you um it gave kids all this power and it was really there's a lot of autonomy and power that was really good and the setting is basically anywhere you can go under your bed and that's sort of like the scary world for older kids it's kind of you know ghost stories and, and haunted houses and stuff um or you can go like into this other place that's more fairy tale and then there's like a knight and a race car and a video game section and an astronaut so like you can no matter what kind of your passion is uh we we tried to make it really easy to um to sort of fit in that um we had one kid in our playtest who only wanted to play everything Yoshi. It was like, my name is Yoshi. My Because you get companions. You get a pet that helps you. My pet's name is Yoshi. My weapon's a Yoshi. And so, like, we were like, all right, well, this is the perfect playtest. Is this game going to work <laughs> with a, a child that wants everything to be Yoshi? Um, so, uh, so yeah, it, it's, a, it's so much fun to work on. And, and, you know, I sort of love the fact that so many kids are starting that with their first game. And hopefully they're going to be gamers forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, it, does there exist, or have you thought of making, um, <laughs> a game for, whether it's couples, groups, whatever, but a sexed, a sex-based role-playing game, I don't know, maybe that might be a LARP, or something that would encourage um, role-play in a sex way, or encourage actual, you know, BDSM activity, or whatnot. Does Is that a thing? Or if it isn't, can you make it a thing? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's it is something I think about because so there's a bunch of reasons why. One is, you know, you you go to the the a sex store, you 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 see these games that are designed sort of that that are trying to take sex and turn it into a game, right? Like revitalize your sex life by rolling these. I, dice. I always get things like <laughs> lick 
elbows. And I'm like, what the right. fuck is that? Like, my like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I, like, I feel like the impetus there is there is good, but like the people that make those are, are not game designers, right? So they're not actually games, they're tools to that sometimes work and sometimes don't, depending on all the situations. And then there is this sort of really lovely indie underground element of games um, where people are making really personal games. Um, I've heard them called cozy games, where the goal is to sort of turn people's relationships toward each other, right? And sometimes those are like intimate, like friendships or family, and sometimes they're sex, and where you're exploring that sort of moment. Like the thing I love about writing about sex so much is that it's this moment where we're co- we have the opportunity to be completely vulnerable, right? We we are in this place where we decide, all right, I'm either going to be totally vulnerable and immerse myself into this thing and give everything, or I'm going to, you know, have a fake orgasm and walk away, right? Like so, you've, you're, there's this crux moment in humanity when we're in that place, and I feel like games give us that opportunity to role playing in particular. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this character, this emotional beat. I'm gonna be my whole self. Um, and so I feel like there's this there's this really great opportunity there to explore what that means. Um, and I think a lot of indie small game designers are sort of starting to play around with that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where that's going to go, but it's kind of I'm kind of fascinated yeah. by it in general. <laughs> As a top, like I just find that fascinating. I would love an idea that would start sparking ideas for different scenarios. And and I'll tell everybody what: in order to get a dice at advantage when trying to affect a clitoris in a positive way, use a sex toy and you get a rollover that way. So you get one dice at advantage. <laughs> just saying, I mean, from doing this for a long time, I just that's my two cents. You know, you know. Now that you're talking about this, though. I'm I'm start my mind is like oh now my mind is getting blown my synapses are like whoa um <laughs> because not even just a sex game but you were talking about encouraging vulnerability between couples and it's like you know so much of what we see when we're you know um coaching people with sex stuff it's like it all a lot of it boils down to like your relationship and how you relate together and can you be vulnerable and can you have these conversations it's a lot deeper than like smashing genitals together so if right. there were a game that would almost encourage like, you know, like stealth therapy, but it's a game, <laughs> you know what I mean? Shauna, be- solve all the world's yes. problems. <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be great. Right, because right, we do see video games about sex, but they're very much like, you know, insert A here right. and thrust a thousand times, right? Which, you know, has their has its purpose. But if you could get, and we're seeing more emotional intimacy in video games, it's just really lovely. Um, and so, you know, it, it's a possibility. And I do think that the sort of more uh, conservative the culture grows, the more sort of the indie uh, game community sort of rails against that and makes amazing things. And so I think that somewhere we're going to start seeing, we're going to, I hope we're going to start seeing more things that really explore that sort of emotional and physical intimacy together. Mm. God, my brain is just like, oh, yeah, all the things. Because ah, I, I, I so much geek out on this stuff. And it's like, I don't know, play is is my jam. And play is kind of like a thread through everything, whether you know it or not. It's so important. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh. What are we doing if we don't? I mean, I mean, that's one of the joys of having a dog, right? Sometimes, like, when you're in the midst of something, I'm like, oh, she, she just wants to play. Like, there's no... There's no goal, there's no achievement, there's no deadlines. And it sort of brings me back to that like great joy of just playing. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And we're experiencing that a lot right now. We just got a new puppy. So we have two dogs. <gasps> yeah, it's my service dog too. So we're 
Uh, he just oh, graduated wow. and uh, like we're ju- he just got neutered. He's been in training since he was beginning, but like he is such a puppy. Yeah. And just oh. so loving. And it's that sense of purposeness of just unending fun. And in his eyes, he starts wagging a tail. It makes me just overjoyed. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're really good for our house. They yeah. really are. I mean, really you know. quick, I'm going to uh, like shout out some names of some of your books, and I want a brief description from you because you have so many, <laughs> and I'm trying not to do I anthologies. Like this is a- it is. I was like, oh, it's good. No, it's, it's, no, no, it's not a test. It's not it's a, a test. It's a game. It's a game. It's a game. It's a game. <laughs> All right. Okay. Beneath Sea and Sky, Erotic Stories of Fantasy. Oh, yeah. So that's all supernatural and fantasy stories. There's some like mermen and there's uh, autoerotic asphyxiation in space. Ooh. And uh, there's a whole bunch. Of- so would that be just <laughs> like taking there's- off your space suit? <laughs> 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 I'm taking off really my hat, point. putting it back on, taking it and, off. And I have an Aquaman <laughs> fetish. So this is like, it is going to be on my list, especially with the whole merman thing. <laughs> Uh, next one, Geek Love, and I and I love the 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 title of this, Geek Love, an anthology of full frontal nerdity. Sonny, it sounds like something you would make <laughs> oh up. Oh my <laughs> god! Uh, so this is a really fun project that I co-edited with Janine Ashbless, who's a fantastic erotic writer, and um, it's a story. It's a it's a hardcover or PDF version, illustrated version of erotic stories and um, comics that all have to do with sort of geeky sexuality. And it's everything from robots getting it on to like far future stuff to uh, there's some historical stuff in there and lots of gaming and sex uh, stories. Uh, so it's really, really fun to work on. And, and it has some really, really beautiful stuff in it. Next one is the lure of dangerous women. So I lived in Scotland uh, 10 years ago, the year I turned 47, and I got Lyme disease (laughs) while I was there and uh, was pretty sure I was going to die. And so this collection of stories is mostly stories that I wrote in my head while I thought I was dying from a tick bite. And they are all super dark and mostly supernatural. And there is like, they're super scary about psychopomps and just, um, if you like scary dark horror about strong women uh, doing things and getting their heart broken and still kicking ass. Uh, that is, that is, they are, that is all in that Oh book. my fucking God. Am I glad I asked these questions? Right. And, okay. and, and I'm, I'm so sorry that you almost died in Scotland, but thank you. Thank you for almost that's dying the in one Scotland. I want to read yes. first. Uh, next one, Leatherbound. Oh, so this is a uh, novel that I wrote for, uh, I think it's HarperCollins. It's been a little while. And it's also very geeky. Uh, it's about a woman who owns a bookstore um, and sort of discovers her sexuality through this mystery of a leather-bound book. That's awesome. So it's at least a double entendre, maybe a triple. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, are there any of your books that you suggest uh, to people that are interested in this crossover of, you know, geekery, gaming, and sexuality? Well, that is a really good question. Um, I think that people... Uh, w- People seem to appreciate what's uh, my novel called The Poison Eater, uh, which is uh, set in Numenera, which is the setting of our game and features um, a character who uh, is is diverse in all kinds of ways that I don't want to give away. Um, but there's a lot of sexuality in that book as well. And so I think that people really uh, appreciate that crossover. And then uh, As Kinky As You Want to Be is also one where, you know, I often find that people seem to think that it's a really like they 
they seem to think it's sort of me talking to them. Um, and so even though there's not a lot of gaming stuff in there, I do think that you could use that book as either gaming or sex or both to sort of improve uh, that crossover in your life. Cool. Okay, so um, <laughs> our American fuckers, our listeners, I would say they the majority of them are pervs as opposed to gamers, although we have a, you know, oh, no, a, have, a strong, have, no, I was going to say, we do have a lot of gamers, but they're mostly <laughs> pervs over gamers, I would and, say. And by the way, Maurice, so, thank you so much. One of our uh, American fucker fans actually helped me out by doing some stuff for a D&D game that I'm going to be running and made me everything from like hand drawn and calligraphy stuff to like doing an intro and he's playing Volo. So it's yeah, like nice. just did a little Volo. It's kind of amazing. It is really amazing. Yeah. yeah. So for, for those like kinky pervs and you know, uh, listening, that's always a compliment for those kinky pervs listening who are like, well, this gaming stuff sounds great. Um, and let's say they're like, Hey, I want to get into tabletop RPGs, role playing games. Uh, where do they start? If they've, they're like, I don't know any gamers. I don't know where to begin. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. or Shadowhead or whatever it is sounds great. <laughs> where do they go? Yeah, that's a really great question because there isn't a single, there's no longer a single great space for that. Um, and the places that are on the internet are very mixed bags in terms of what you're going to get. Um, so I think like if you have a local game store, that is a great place to go and start. And the reason for that is that people who run games stores and work at game stores aren't super knowledgeable. They're really passionate and they hopefully will ask you good questions like how much experience do you have? How much math do you like? Because there's a huge difference between playing a game like, you know, Fate Accelerated versus D&D in terms of the mm -hmm. amount of math and dice and, and attention to detail that is required. Um, and they can also guide you towards some of the sort of newer, more story-based games if rolling dice isn't your thing and you just want to tell a story together with a group of friends. And so, like, um, so gaming stores are a great place to get that information. Uh, gaming conventions are really fun, but very overwhelming mm -hmm. if you're new and I think can be potentially ha uh, more difficult to navigate in that way. Um, and also, like, if you just have one person that you know who is a gamer or has a gaming background, like ask them if they'll take you to coffee and talk or take you to the game store and talk about like, or if they've got games at their house and just sort of talk about your options because there is so much out there. It's kind of, it's kind of awesome and overwhelming all at once. And, um, you know, it can be, be, be really easy for that excitement to turn into like, holy fuck, I have no idea. Um, and so like finding just one person who can help guide you through that process, I think is hugely important. Um, Finding, we also have a book called um, Your Best Game Ever that is from Monty Cook Games that actually has a whole chapter on how to find gaming groups, how to start gaming, how to go to your local game store. Um, and so that's a good, uh, that's also a good place to sort of start. Um, yeah. Cool. So I have one last question for you. And it's like, and let me know if this is uncomfortable for you, but have you ever had somebody mansplain to you something you wrote? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, more specifically, did they not know who you were? And they were just like, you know, um, okay, little lady, like, let me white explain this to you. Oh, that's very funny. Um, I've had that happen from people who did know who I was and did not know who I was. Uh, Both? That really? a lot. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's complicated, right? Because part of it is that, like, I'm not super braggy. And so, you know, if I show up at a place and we're talking about gaming and they don't know who I am, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who's like, well, do you know who I am? Right? So... <laughs> Um, so, but I, you know, I think that 
oh boy, it's there's this perception, right, that that women and and I don't know, like I don't know how much age has to do with that either, right? Because I'm I'm closing in on fifty, and so like I think that there's this perception that like I just got into gaming, but you know, Bunnies and Burrows was my first game, oh, and wow. I was like six, so like you know <laughs> I've been doing this a while. Um, but it's also true with writing, so it's not specific just to the gaming community, and I think that it's it's. It, you know, it's hard to discern, like, are you actually trying to help and, like, explain a thing you're passionate about and that you love, or are you being uh, sort of a fuckface, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it does happen a lot. And it, it, for me, the big tell is, you know, we start having that conversation, if I get mansplained to, and then I say something about my experience level or my knowledge level, if the reaction to that is the really important part, in my opinion. Like, are they like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you were involved and I was trying to explain this because I'm really excited about it versus the people who sort of double down on their belief that I don't know what I'm talking about. So, like, for me, that sort of second step of that is very vital <laughs> to my future relationship or not with that particular person. Wow. So, yeah, if there's no oops, my bad, then you're a dick. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're done. <laughs> And if you and if you're yeah. happy and lucky enough to meet Shauna at a gaming event, like keep that in mind. Like just <laughs> maybe maybe not mansplain stuff to her and ask ask her. Yeah, because I'm I'm super excited to talk about stuff. Um, but you you know it's a conversation is a, another whole another topic of how to be a good conversationalist, right? And that's that's a whole different a whole different podcast. <laughs> Well, this has been absolutely awesome. And for the American fuckers listening along who were like, you guys said so many games, so many websites and so many PDFs. Don't <laughs> worry. As usual, we will have all of the links that we talked about in our show notes for this episode at americansexpodcast.com. We're also going to have links to all of your stuff. However, if you can tell us a couple places where the listeners can find you, that would be awesome. Yeah, everything I am online as Shauna Germain, whether that's my website, which is shaunagermain.com, uh, my Twitter, my Facebook, all of that stuff is is under my own name, which would be a super easy and good thing, except my name is spelled very funny. So <laughs> you'll have to like look at the website to make sure it's spelled right. Um, but yeah, Shauna Germain is a great place to find me. And then Monty Cook Games is the company that I co-owned, as we talked about, and all of the gaming um, products that we talked about is are on there. As cool. Well. Yay. Thank you. This Thank you has so been much. Freaking amazing. My brain is just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I feel like I, I just could talk about the intersection between these things forever and ever. So thank you for indulging Yay. me. Yay. <laughs> All righty. Well, until next time, American fuckers, and bye. 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 Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. 
And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.